everybody. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. I'm Molly Herford, author of a few different books on cycling, with one coming out this summer that I'm very excited about. And uh, this week, sort of a traveler all over the East Coast and very excited to actually be recording this one from home, too. And I'm Peter Glassford. I'm a registered kinesiologist and an endurance coach. I was at a fun course this weekend, more with my kinesiology hat on and getting pushed. It was multidisciplinary and so there was physios and doctors and uh, chiros and what else was there physio means physical therapist for those do you, i just want to know if you actually have a kinesiology hat i do have one yeah yeah it says this is who i am um it's my thinking cap also ah yes uh and it was good yeah really pushed me uh as far as you know assessment and you know a bit of soft tissue sort of uh people on tables and stuff so uh, definitely was really, really good, really welcoming community, and uh, our friend Mandy, who listens as well to the podcast, and uh, she was there, so she's taken the course and was sort of a, a, I don't know what you call a mentor or something like that. They had sort of people who had gone through the course but mm-hmm. weren't the, the guru, mm-hmm. the course leader, so really well-run course, and yeah, so I'm cool. excited to now put this to practice in the gym and with clients and yeah. keep keep learning. That's what yeah. it's all about, right? Yeah, and so next week we're both off to separate sides of the country again. Peter's going out to Moab to play on bikes. I'll be actually in Ontario for the Howling Coyote Gravel Grinder, and then the week after that I actually go down to Vermont for Bittersweet, which is a women's day in Burke, Vermont, by the people who do their Rasputitsa gravel race. They're really hoping to bring more women you know, into gravel racing and riding and you know, just make everybody more comfortable, more psyched on bikes. There's going to be like a women's band playing at night. There's a movie they're going to show. I'm going to do some yoga. We're going to do a mountain bike ride and a gravel ride. Um, myself, Georgia Gould and Leah Davison. I keep listing those people and then I'm like, oh, right. They're going to be holding up Olympic medals and I'll be holding up a book, but still good. I'm still really excited. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll be there. We'll be talking. It's going to be a really fun Saturday event. So head to the show notes if you are interested in that at all. I know a lot of women I talked to at Gloucester for the cyclocross race this weekend are going to be coming. So I'm excited. And that was Burke, Vermont. Yes. Very yeah, cool. by Kingdom Trails for those of you more familiar with that. Right. So and then I think Sunday morning I'll be shredding around with some friends on the trails there because I haven't really gotten to spend much time riding there. And then you were at uh, Gloucester, I can never say it. Glo- yeah. Gloucester. Yeah, I was at Gloucester Cyclocross, which, side note, Peter and my first date was in Gloucester at the Cyclocross race. And was there any big drama for the people? What were people looking for? Was there big news? I mean, I raced a bike. That's okay. not really big news at all. Um, right, right. Yeah, dust, it literally dusted some cobwebs off of my cross bike and got out there, had a really fun time. Um, Got to meet some of the the Shred Girls that we featured on the Shred Girls website. So the real life Shred Girls. Hung out with some of them. Uh, Got my butt kicked by some of them, which was really exciting. Uh, In like the best way possible. Right. So I had that. And then the day before, I was in Long Island for another Shred Girls ride at the Long Island Hurricanes, which is a uh, young race team. So um, elementary school and high school, I guess. And that's part of like NICA? Yeah, they're part of NICA. So that was super fun too. They had made jerseys for the event. So I got to race in a really sweet Shred Girls jersey on Sunday. So yeah, really good, really good weekend. Excited about the next ones coming up. Okay. 
This week we wanted to bring on someone to talk about BC Bike Race, and I realized that we're kind of not in the season for stage racing on our mountain bikes. However, we are in the season for figuring out what next year's goals are. So I know a lot of people who listen to this are kind of intrigued by the idea of stage races, whether you're doing one of the running ones or mountain bike or, you know, there's plenty of road stage races, obviously. So in this episode, we're kind of talking about the ins and outs of BC Bike Race specifically, but it also kind of works for, you know, any stage race that you're thinking about doing. Yeah, it's interesting. The reason we, we, we always have a few episodes in queue and chose this one. And I mean, yesterday alone, the number of emails and, you know, there's a couple of people at the gym and people sort of just resurfacing. It seemed like yesterday was like a tipping point. Um, and these are people, you know, I have people from lower states and then we have, I think there was Wisconsin yesterday. There was people from Ontario, some West Coast of Canada. So it's, I don't think it's just like the weather turning specifically, you know, we're sort of in this fall colors and the weather sort of crummy right now. Cyclocross has been going on for a while. I don't know really why now, but uh, I have a pe- people I seem have a to be there and they're looking for like, you know, what is that big thing that's going to motivate them through the, the fall and winter? Mm-hmm. So that makes sense. You know, you sort of grind into a halt here as the weather's going and the trainer comes out, um, you know, for any of the runners and stuff too, right? It's We're getting past all those fall marathons. Yeah, We have for maybe sure. one big one here in Toronto. So I think for a lot of people, it's sort of that time of year where we start wondering what's what's the, what's the reason we're going to keep moving, right? When it gets a little tougher. Um, so that's been fun discussing with people and what they're planning and some of the, it's always fun what people find, right? Like, especially with gravel and the running stuff, you know, it's, there's new stuff all the time. Uh, so just the different races and BC bike race is one of those ones that's, that's like a bucket list race for a lot of mountain bikers. And I, I think even people who are just not, maybe wouldn't describe themselves as mountain bikers, right? There's a lot of people that just, that's a adventure type thing that people go and do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the woman we have on talking about it is Hannah Ray Finchamp. Uh, she raced solo for it, but with her teammate Katerina Nash, who, you know, for those of you who follow, it has been on the podcast. She won BC Bike Race. Hannah finished third in the Open Women, which is amazing. She's, you know, pretty young, and it was her first ever stage race of this kind of anything this type. Um, but I've actually known Hannah since she was, I think, maybe 12 years old. Um, and she was winning or podiuming in cyclocross nationals in her category. And then I'd run into her at X-Terror races. She was more of a triathlete. Um, so this year she kind of started focusing a bit more on the mountain bike and, you know, did really well. So it was cool getting some of her feedback on how it was sleeping in a tent for the week. And Yeah, there's a lot of factors. The state, mountain bike stage racing is, is really different than a lot of... Yeah, well, yeah. and coming from X-Terra and cyclocross where... You know, they're pretty dialed sports, right? Like, it's very laid out, and, you know, you get to the race, and you have exactly what you need for that day if you did it right. If you're, you know, working with a good team, or your parents are really dialed, or you're kind of a perfectionist, which Hannah, you know, claims to be. And she talks about the fact that stage racing made her rethink the whole perfectionist tendencies during races, thing and you know really find this different enjoyment and just figure out how to deal with the situation not being perfect which we've dealt with at Transylvania Epic many times well I think that's what I like about it because I've never been good at the like perfection (laughs) or or, or just the focus level it requires to like go out and do this like super intense super you know 
I don't know, like you've pre-ridden a course and you have all your gear and it's short, right? Like there's not a lot of room for error. Whereas in a stage race, it's an entire week. So you have all these different starts, all these different mini races, basically. But then even the stages tend to be longer than most, you know, an X-Terra race or anything like that. You're, you know, on the short end, maybe two hours, you know, sometimes I'll have like a really short stage to start off or something, but usually it's like two to five hours or something. And things like the guy who's in the lead by like two hours might end up with like a stomach bug on day five. Sure, or flats or... Yeah. Because you're all... And for the younger athletes too, but especially, you know, anyone who just hasn't, you know, been out doing massive rides in the wilderness, there's so many variables, right? And you're sort of on your own. So it is more of an adventure. And a lot of times it get described as like summer camp, right? Because you are sort of maybe camping or sometimes the, the one we did was at a like summer camp so we had there's a boy scout camp yeah so there was cabins right yeah. and sometimes there'll be like an rv option and more and more there there's like hotel options but you know the tenting option seems to it it seems to exist you know it lowers the cost and stuff right mm-hmm. which is definitely a consideration when you're going on like a full week circus that travels around i think the other thing i really love about the stage race is it really does kind of force you to do like a hard reset on like your life almost because a lot it's of a lot these, of yeah there's a lot of reflection a that lot goes of reflection a lot fatigue of these, yeah well, some beers it's amazing what happens yeah and a lot of these places like have really crappy phone service like there's very rarely wi-fi connections there's some so disconnect for sure you're actually pretty forced to disconnect and you're just too tired to really get on i mean at transylvania epic we'd see people who had planned to do full days of work at the end of the stage you know they'd get back and you know they maybe did it for a day but after that it was pretty much you'd get back and you're you know trying to get into recovery mode and prep for the next day and you're exhausted and you don't want to do work it's an odd thing right like because i've always done them as a elite right and it's it's like a hard week of training but the hours are never that impressive like you know if you look at any winner of especially mountain bike stage races right it's i don't know an 18 hour week maybe you know maybe as high as in the 20s but like you know you that's not a that wouldn't be the biggest training week of the, the year but for most of the working people the you know masters aged and in hannah's case even maybe you know the the week could get very long right like the it's usually double whatever the winners are is the like slowest people just because of cutoffs and everything else so mm-hmm. so if you take 18 36 hour week for someone who's the slowest person in the race mm-hmm. so it's likely they haven't done 36 hours in their life right let alone like a six hour individual ride so it's it's an interesting challenge for I think it's also a great one for really figuring out what your body needs for recovery, which is something that we tend to ignore on a daily basis when we're at home. But suddenly when you're at one of these races, you start seeing people pulling out the foam rollers and the little cross balls. Yeah, a lot of new stuff. Still with their shorts on though. Like they're not worried about the saddle sores that are manifesting. Okay, pro tip guys. If you do a stage race, for the love of God, please take off your chamois when you cross the finish line. I mean, get back to your tent and like put a towel on but like get out of that chamois we've seen so many people at a lot of these races who actually just stopped racing because they sat around in their chamois after a particularly rough muddy day and had saddle sores so bad the next day that they couldn't get on their bike well and it's just the reality again like that exact thing like in your book i think i call it like tissue overload or something like Mm -hmm. that right in the same way anything right like as you overload your body like there has to be something has to give, right? And so this person who, you know, maybe they did a great job preparing for the event, but they at max had 20 hours a week to train. They're now doing 36 hours, 
right? It's and a lot of pressure on your junk for 36 hours. Yeah, yeah, and then you have the factor in, you know, you're camping, and it's maybe a little, you know, it's not the, the cleanest of all environments, right, for sure, and it's, it gets crazy. Yeah, so uh, wet wipes and the getting out of your chamois are my two biggest stage race uh, tips, I'd say. What's your biggest one? I think having a system. I think we've, I don't know, we've talked about this, I think, on the podcast before, and I'll try and think through it and post some more relevant links, but... Probably our race day episode would be... Could be. Yeah, like, I'm very big on just, like, I have my, like, laid out, like, bags for each day with all my clothes, because I'm very bad at, like, looking for, you know, my white arm warmers or whatever. So I try and, like, have the seven days, like, figured out, and, like, little bags for that, and then also just you know, everything food wise and stuff like that as organized as possible. But then when you come across the line and you're like a zombie and you've just finished the race, like having that, like I always go directly to the showers, you beat the rush, hopefully, Um, you know, and then the bike wash, there's always a rush. So then you're immediately to the bike wash and Mm -hmm. just having that system where you step your like very tired person through so that you can get to feet up chilling as soon as you can. Yeah. I think the biggest mistake I see is when people finish the stage and you know, collapse by their car or tent or, you know, even just by the finish line. And three hours later, they're still sitting there in full kit, usually with a beer, which like, you know, I'm actually totally fine with like the post-stage beer. Well, that for, I don't Yeah, care I don't think that's probably out of the ordinary for a lot of people. No, I, it's, I it's more the it's lack fine. of like actual hydration, lack of getting out of the chamois. The bike is still a mess. Like after dinner, they're the ones that are at the bike wash trying to wash the bike when everyone else is already like lights out asleep. Yeah, I always think about it, you know, the one concept I try and teach people is, you know, on a climb, if we think about the the race main, you know, the stage is a a climb, you know, you can still pedal over the top of a climb, but a lot of people will stop pedaling the second the climb sort of eases off at the top. So the stage is much like that climb in that like, you hit the finish line and you can stop doing anything or thinking or doing anything like productive, but you sort of still have that forward momentum and like you're still sort of racing. So I think it's worth using that like, ah, I'm still racing to like get set up for the next day. And, oh, that's a good one. And then like, so I cross the line and then like, you know, ha ha ha, relive and like tell your war story. You know, maybe you grab a bottle if you have a recovery bottle um, or there's food at the table often, you know, when you finish. But like as quick as you can get to the bike wash and then to the shower, whatever your system is, however it's laid out. And then you're not missing out on anything. And you're racing to get to that like bed or tent or, you know, whatever to get napping and beer in hand is the goal. That's fine. But the beer in hand doesn't happen until you're quote unquote done the stage. And the stage ends when your bike is clean and ready and you're showered and in dry clothes. Yeah, let's also, like, we're not nerds. This is not, like, the, this is, like, we don't talk to anyone and we're just, like, isolated and doing, like, the racer thing. This is good for, even if you just want to have a good, fun time, you're going to have a more fun time. Well, yeah, it's, like, it's, like, delayed gratification (laughs) because you can also be the, like, cool person who's, like, not in their tights and, you know, has the beer in hand and is very relaxed, right? But it's, you got to be the the lame person for the 10 minutes it takes to wash a bike. It doesn't take much. Yeah, maybe more than 10 minutes, but... I think my other thing I'm going to say that I've seen a lot of people do um, is probably getting up a little too late for the start of the stage. Like, the amount of people we'd see coming into breakfast when there was, like, 10 minutes to go on breakfast, I'd say it was actually quite high, the top, like, the couple stage raises we've done. 
I guess so, it depends on the person. I'm not saying yeah. you need to get up at like 5 a.m. for an 8 a.m. start, but just make sure you give yourself plenty of time to, you know, have breakfast, have coffee, get to the washroom, do your thing there, and get to the start. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think you want time. You want to get woke up. You don't want your body to be sort of jostled around, like right out of bed, right? Yeah, um, I think people try to get a little bit more like extra sleep at the expense of them not being totally prepared or totally awake by the time. I the always stage find it starts. tough too. Like breakfast is usually like pretty good. There's a lot of options yeah. and stuff, and dinner too. And it's just like you have this like, oh, I'm riding a ton, and it's it's very hard not to like stuff yourself. Mm. It's usually like a buffet type setup, right? So that's maybe where there's some you know some control, you know, not stuffing yourself till you're sick, especially in the morning, right? Which gets back to the routine, like, just because you're at this unlimited buffet, don't deviate from your, you know, normal planned out yeah. race day breakfast. Thing. Yeah, if you have like a bowl of oatmeal, you don't need bowls of oatmeal plus bacon and plus, you know, breakfast sausage and, you know, all that stuff. And, you know, maybe you treat yourself here and there and that's fine. But like, again, you just sort of keep it again with that feeling of how stuffed you are because you do have to go race, right? And yeah. I, I wonder sometimes how much of that is you know even some of the difference right to when people you know if you end up having to go slower and you're not feeling good and then you got gi distress like how much of that stuff comes from that breaking of the ordinary or totally. again just stuffing yourself it sounds sort of odd but it, yeah. it's tough right and yeah it, it's funny like i have a few clients and you know they train a little ahead of time but they're very good at getting that routine and figured out and they have a great time and you know they go into it thinking it's sort of like it's like a, a tour and they just want to finish but they're just gonna you know they take a few photos along the way but you know they prepare as best as they can without stressing super hard but they have a lot of those like off the bike or you know just even their pack is figured out they've been riding with the same pack and their saddle doesn't chafe them and you know they ride technically fairly well and you know, it's sometimes it's the people who are like out and they're doing ski hill repeats to try and get as fit as they can or like they're doing only road rides and then they never use packs and, you know, they don't think about the food and they don't think about how they how to clean a bike. Right. Like if right. you're here alone, basically, a lot of times and you have to do a bit of maintenance yourself. So it's funny as we're talking about this, I'm like, we should do a stage race, yeah. Peter. Um, I do miss it. It's... So stay tuned because we might be we might be signing up for one too. But before we get into it, uh, just real quick, we're doing a giveaway today. Uh, so this week, so now through let's say October twenty third, um, we're giving away two copies of Matt Fitzgerald's eighty twenty triathlon. You can listen to his episode about that. It was about a month ago. If you want to find out more about it, but also with Fuel Your Ride, my so cycling nutrition book. Yes, and it's got lots of different tips from different pros, and then also nutrition experts. So it's very good. And and Matt Fitzgerald's triathlon book's very good. It has some strength training stuff in it. It has some swim drills. It has good explanation of what sort of 80-20 or the polarized method is. Yeah, and the foreword's by our good friend Steven Seiler, who is one of our more popular podcast episodes, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. So we have two different sets of books. So mm -hmm. Molly's book and Matt's book. And that's by the end of this week. That's by October 23rd, you think, 2018. Mm -hmm. I apologize if you're in the future, but we say hello to you from the past. And yeah, so that was for, what do they have to do again? Okay, so to get one of these books, what you have to do is head on over to iTunes. We want you to rate and review the podcast. We're not telling you what to say here or anything. Just rate and review, screenshot it, and then email that screenshot to molly at theoutdooredit.com. Uh, we'll have all that right in the show notes, so you can check that and grab the email address and everything. 
Um, if you've already rated and reviewed, you can probably scroll and find your review on there. So you can still take that screenshot. It doesn't have to be a new review. Just let us know you've done it. And we'll pick two people at random to get the two book packs. And I will be in touch to mail them. Great. So, yeah, do that before October 23rd. Really excited about that. And yeah, without further ado, let's talk BC Bike Race with Hannah Ray Finchamp. You've also had a pretty uh, hectic travel schedule this past like week and a half. Yeah, it's been pretty busy. <laughs> yeah. So but, how, are, yeah. how are nationals after BC Bike Race? That's sort of like the first thing that came to mind <laughs> when I like realized you did both. Holy crap. Yeah, um, it was actually really good. You know, I figured it could have been, you know, either like, oh, I'm really tired and it kind of flops or I've built a lot of fitness and it went well. And that's kind of what I was hoping. And yeah, I think it went really well. I felt good. And, you know, after you line up for seven days in a row of racing, it kind of gets rid of some of those nerves. So it helps <laughs> me a lot in that aspect also. That is an excellent point. I didn't even think about that. But yeah, you'd just be like, yeah, just another day. No big deal. Exactly. <laughs> At least it's only one, not seven. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, okay, what what would you say your main sport is at this point? Because, I mean, I'm remembering, like, you at, like, probably, like, 15 racing cross and you racing Xterra back, way back when I was racing Xterra, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I've made the full transition to mountain biking. Um, I still do race cyclocross, but... Um, Gosh, I guess it was about three years now when um, the Cliff Pro Team, then Luna, kind of made that transition into mountain biking. The team asked me to try that transition with them, and I went full out. And, yeah, so now I'm um, completely just on the bike. So I focus on mountain biking, but I race cross also and do the Pan Americans and Nationals on cross. Right. Do you miss triathlon at all? <laughs> um, I miss it. I, I do miss it just because it was something that I loved and it was what got me into competition. Mm -hmm. But I think this decision to focus on mountain biking was definitely the correct thing for my career and my life because I love it so much. And if I had to make the decision all over again, I would still definitely pick mountain biking. Yeah. And are you still in school or where are you now? I just graduated in Congrats. May. So thank you. Yeah, so I've been out of school only for a few months, and I moved to Salt Lake City, Utah. Oh, nice. I feel like I've talked to so many people from Salt Lake lately. It seems like such a good area, especially for active living. Yeah, it's, and I feel like it's growing right now, too. It's very, It's definitely very popular, and Park City even more so. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So BC bike race, though, I mean, that's that's pretty out there for a mountain bike racer to do instead of kind of opting for the more like traditional U.S. Cups, World Cups, that kind of stuff. So what made you decide mm -hmm. to do it? Um, well, I've always loved adventure. That's kind of been what got me into sport and into Xterra was as a little kid, the only way that I could kind of do that adventure and conquer things on my own was to race or be a part of these organizations. Um, and so that's always been my love. And I think that Cliff Bar recognizes that. And so um, actually about three weeks before the race, I got 
the message asking, would you like to do VC bike race? <laughs> it's like, oh my goodness, <laughs> you're right. That is, it is very out there and it is a different type of training um, than I might other, than I might otherwise do. But I think it it's an opportunity I could never turn down. And I really hope to be able to do VC bike race and even other stage races in the future. Okay, so how do you, okay, so mentally, how do you prep for it? Like, what is your thought going into the race? And then second, just how do you physically prepare for that in three weeks? Yeah, so um, (laughs) mentally, it was actually, since it was my first stage race, mentally, all I felt like I could do was kind of control the controllables, Mm -hmm. since I had no idea how I would feel or what it was even like to line up for seven days in a row. Mm -hmm. I just prepared myself in terms of knowledge as much as I could. I studied all of the stages and kind of prepared for, okay, you know, day four is going to be the hardest and all of those type of things. And then mentally just be prepared for um, a really hard race, Mm -hmm. you know, and physically with it only being three weeks to prepare, there's not a ton that I could do. Um, differently, especially with nationals right Right. afterwards. So um, I put in a couple blocks. Uh, Normally, you might do, you know, a couple hard workouts and then an easy day or a couple easy days and kind of go like that. And with only three days to prepare, I didn't have a ton of time to build into anything. Um, But I did do a couple blocks of four or five hard days in a row to kind of get my body into that mentality of waking up every day and putting out a hard effort. Mm-hmm. So what was the first day like? Uh, of BC bike race? Yeah. I loved the first day. It was actually probably my favorite course of the whole week. Um, it just felt like it had some of everything. The climbing was all single track and then the descending was actually pretty gnarly and it kind of shocked you that early in the week well at least it shocked me (laughs) by day six and seven you're like oh yeah it's always gnarly in Mm -hmm. dc but but day one it shocked me a little bit and it was just a blast um you know and you feel great on day one and there was no holding back so i think it was just kind of that moment of okay this is what we're doing for seven days and it was so exciting to think also that you have the opportunity to fix things Mm-hmm. And to really dial in who you are and what you want to be as a racer. When you race the cross country events, you get one opportunity and sometimes you can lose the win or lose your goal in, you know, five seconds or in, in one mistake. And with seven days of racing on day one, there's a lot less pressure because you know you have so many opportunities to make it right. Yeah, absolutely. And how was it doing this whole race with? you know, your awesome teammate who has been racing for longer than you've been alive. (laughs) (laughs) It was incredible. I learned so much, not only as a racer, but as a person. Um, I camped the whole seven days. Oh my God. And (laughs) yeah. And so that was a new experience for me. You know, when I, I had to go out and buy a sleeping bag, you know, this isn't something that I'm super accustomed to. Um, so it made me, it, it just made me better. And 
by that I mean I'm I'm a perfectionist. I think many people in the sport and in high level of competition are. Mm-hmm. And after day one, it became very apparent that when you're camping and you're living out of a small bag and you're carrying all of your equipment and you're going on ferries, nothing is ever going to be perfect. And you're never, and after day one, you're never going to line up on the line saying, Oh, my legs feel perfect. Mm -hmm. And so to kind of shed that expectation and realize that I can have a great race when everything isn't perfect, I think set me up for the whole rest of the season for a much better outcome. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, how did it feel by day seven? Were you completely trashed? And I mean, you finished third overall. Like, how mm-hmm. did you expect that? How did that, what day did that happen, I guess? Like, did you take that spot or were you always in that spot? Or how did it play out? Um, I did not expect that at all. I kind of, I came into the race with very little expectation other than to just give it my all. And so on day one, I actually found myself in second. And, um, the girl who was in that time who finished in, who ended up finishing in second, her and I rode together for the large majority of the week, you know, finishing within a minute of each other on multiple days. You had a race (laughs) the whole time. Yeah. So it really, it really was a race and every single day was like, you know, you, you can calculate down the seconds to figure out who's in what place. And it was. It was really close, and for that reason, I think since every single day was maxed, you know, by day three, we were already pretty exhausted, and so Mm -hmm. it kind of just levels out, (laughs) and so I I don't think day seven, you know, if there was a day eight and you had to race again, I think we all could have. It's just a matter of, you know, how fast is it going to continue to be, and every single day we put everything out there. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like it's so easy in stage races, especially in the women's fields, or in honestly, a lot of mountain bike races almost where you get into the race and you're like, oh, I kind of know where I am now. There's five minutes swimming in front of me. There's 10 minutes swimming behind me. Like, don't really have to do much to stay here. So I think it's really awesome that you actually got to be sort of in this head-to-head battle the whole week. Like, yeah. that's so rare. And it, it was, <laughs> mm-hmm. and it was very intense because we did start with the men every day. Mm-hmm. And so for us, um, every day was a hard start. You know, yeah. it started very similarly to a cross-country event for the women because, I mean, I'm definitely not going to be the one to shut down the pace. So we're all just kind of, following and trying to stay in that front pack of men for as long as possible. And, and because of that, you know, we end up riding very close to each other. And there were multiple days where it came down to the last five miles and there actually was strategy and all of those type of things, which like you said, I, I think is very unique for a stage race and made it really exciting. Yeah, that's awesome. The description you just gave at the start just reminds me so much of doing like a mass start triathlon though, like the scrum in the water to get going. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Just everybody's churning, but there's pedals involved. Yes. Oh man. (laughs) Very similar. (laughs) Yeah. So, okay. What was the camping and like the, you know, eating and all that stuff? What was that part like? It was crazy, yeah. <laughs> in one word. Um, the camping, it, I mean, it was hard, but yeah. it was 
I'm so glad that I did it that way. And, um, you know, Katerina didn't camp, but she has in the past. And, and that was kind of her recommendation to me was, I think you need to camp to experience the whole race, Mm -hmm. at least the first time you do it. And I think that was the best advice because while it was hard and it, and it definitely does take an extra toll on your body, it gave me a better perspective and it gave me better community. Mm-hmm. So often we go to these pro races and, and we hardly even talk to anyone, but maybe our teammates or our coach. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you're essentially living with 600 other athletes, you really get to know each other and cheer each other on. And it was a really unique bonding experience for me uh, with the cycling community in general. Yeah. I mean, and as a as a pro racer, like the food also just kind of intrigues me though, because you're in like a pretty camp environment there compared to like being yeah. in a hotel with you know all of your normal yeah. food options. So how was dealing with that? Um, that was kind of where it first hit me that nothing was going to be perfect. Yep, <laughs> the race does a, they do a really great job of providing food for that many people and bringing in the caterers and stuff. But, um, you know, I feel like every meal, it was nothing that I would have picked for myself, mm-hmm. but it was just fine, yeah. you know? And that's kind of where that mentality changed of, you know, no, I wouldn't have ordered this off of the menu, but in all reality, what's wrong with it? And yep. the answer is nothing, you know? So I kind of just changed, especially with a stage race where you are eating so much more than you normally would. I kind of just went into every meal after that first one with the new mentality of instead of, you know, what do I want to eat? What do I need to eat? And looking at it instead of from a food aspect, but from a nutritional aspect of, okay, I need these carbs and this protein and kind of figuring out what aspects of the meal they Mm -hmm. had to offer there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And then I think, was there any, this is kind of a weird question. Is there any piece of gear that you brought with you from like even the camping side of things? So like in my head, I'm thinking like a Kindle and a book light for me would have been a big deal. That was like Mm -hmm. kind of indispensable for the week, like not necessarily bike related, just what got you through? (laughs) Well, I brought, see, I brought a lot of stuff. Um, Not bike related, you want. I mean, if you have something that was amazing that was bike related, that's great too. Okay, well, I'll start with the bike-related while I think about the other one. The dropper post. I use the Fox Transfer dropper post, and I feel like that was a game-changer for the week because Mm -hmm. the BC trails are very steep, and there were many times that I (laughs) just felt like, oh, my gosh, how are people doing this without a dropper post? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that was definitely a game-changer for me. Off the bike... It's actually tough because I feel like it was a lot of little things all together that made the week mm-hmm. um, work out. So actually the camping and the equipment is what made me the most nervous going into the race. Yeah. <laughs> um, mostly and because you only get a bag with 85 liter capacity for the whole week. Yep. And for me, that meant, you know, putting all of my extra equipment in it. While some people might not have that luxury it it is it's a blessing and a curse because you have all the extra equipment so you have to take it but you're also like okay where is all this gonna fit you know Mm -hmm. so i'm taking extra derailers and tires and all that stuff and it really makes your bag small quickly 
Yeah. Um, so, oh gosh, what was the most important thing I had? <sighs> oh, this might be an easier question too. Okay. Um, favorite cliff product that you use throughout the, the week since this is in fact a cliff article. Oh, that is actually a great question. I ate 29 gels Holy. on the bike during the week. <laughs> oh my God. Which flavors? <laughs> um, I mix it up. So I would use the raspberry and the chocolate cherry. Oh, I'm obsessed with the chocolate cherry. I did Ironman last yes. summer, like exclusively on the chocolate cherry. It was yes, so good. It's so good. <laughs> it's like tart, yes. right? Like it doesn't have that like annoying sweetness to it. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why I would kind of switch between the two is like, I would want something sweet. And then I'd be like, okay, now I just need something like more tart. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, and how did your, how did your sleeping bag end up working out? Was it, was it a good choice? Four. Sorry, there? Oh, yeah. Um. Yeah, you, you said you got a new sleeping bag for, or a sleeping bag for it. Did you make the right call on the sleeping bag choice? And did you get a sleeping pad? Yeah, so, um, I mean, I had, I guess maybe I should, I have a sleeping bag, but the sleeping bag also has to fit in that 85 right. liter. So I had to get one of the small ones. Mm -hmm. So I got um, one that went down to... Um, like 40 degrees, so pretty small, not super um, thick or anything that could fit in. And then I did bring a small blow-up sleeping pad as well. And mm -hmm. they give you a sleeping pad, but it's basically a yoga mat. Yeah. So <laughs> you definitely want something else. And I feel like what I brought was perfect. I was really comfortable the whole week. Um which I think is pretty hard to say. Yeah. I think the funniest experience I think we probably had, because um, you share a tent with someone. So I shared the tent actually with the girl who ended up in second. <laughs> um, and we actually became really close friends during the week. So it was a super fun experience. And everyone was always like, oh my gosh, you're sharing a tent with your competitor. How is it? And we'd always look at each other and be like, I don't know. I I kind of feel like I'm just more sharing with a friend. So it was good. Um, but at one, there was one night where, you know, you're in this tent village and everyone's so close. And, and I woke up in the middle of the night and I thought, oh, my gosh, is someone mowing the lawn? And I took out my earplugs and someone was snoring oh that loud. Oh, my God. And I probably got two or three hours of sleep that night. And, so, and I, and the next morning I wake up and I look at the girl in the tent with me and I'm like, did you sleep? She goes, no, I didn't sleep at all. Oh. So the next night when we're like repicking our tent location, we're super serious about just trying to get like a tent as far away from people as we can and, and everything. And when we close our eyes to go to sleep, almost immediately we hear the exact same snore. <gasps> And oh. we were just beyond ourselves. We were like, I can't do this anymore. We got out of our tent at 10 o'clock at night, unstaked it, and dragged it 30 yards out of Tent City. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> oh, and, and earplugs. That can be your random thing that you brought that was helpful, except in the case of really <laughs> <Yeah>. loud snoring. 
Yes, that was very important. Yeah, it's just like a lot of little things I feel like that I brought, you know? Yeah. Like I brought one of those, um, you know, like little towels that are, that can roll up into just a small ball Mm -hmm. because every day you have to carry from the time you finish from, which is probably, you know, for me, it was normally like 11 a.m. And then you can shower and eat and all those things and do your transfer and you might not get to camp until 5 p.m. And so you don't have your big bag that whole time. So anything that you want from the end of the race until 5 p.m. has to fit in a swag bag that they give you. Oh, man. So, like, I had one thing of, it was um, extra concentrated shampoo, conditioner, and body wash in one. And Mm -hmm. so having that, which was small, and then the tiny towel (laughs) and uh, things like that just kind of made it all fit. And made it so you don't feel like a pack mule all yeah. day long. Oh man, I don't know how I'd survive at that. Like that would be that would be interesting. We're like we're we're kind because, of like eyeing up the race for next year, so I'm also using this as like an intel gathering sort of thing. <laughs> well, one thing I would definitely recommend bringing is a rechargeable battery Ooh, because yeah. they. Like, you bring your stuff to the charging tent and leave it there, and then you pick it up later. So it's nice to not have to leave, like, your phone there or your Garmin there. If you can just leave the battery there and then pick up the battery and charge your stuff overnight, that's that's much more convenient. That's so smart. Nice. Um, And then, yeah, last question is really just, like, for someone who, you know, hasn't done BC Bike Race and maybe is, like, kind of interested in it, like, give me like a sales pitch for like why you should do it. Like what makes it the coolest? Okay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) BC bike race was honestly one of the most um, outstanding races I've done in my life just because it does have adventure mixed in with the race and the camping and all of those things are a part of the race. It's not just, who can go the fastest at the line and who can recover the best and who can plan the best. And, and I think that adds to the racing aspect, but also from a community aspect and from someone who maybe isn't a racer, but just wants to experience it. The trails are absolutely gorgeous. And I think it every day just put me in awe of what the earth has to offer and what our bodies can accomplish. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Uh, You can check out my stuff over at theoutdooredit.com or by following me on Instagram and Twitter at Molly J. Herford. And you can check out Peter's coaching, training plans, blogs, all that fun stuff over at smartathlete.ca or by following him on Twitter and Instagram at Peter Glassford. And if you want to support this show and other awesome podcasts, please check out WideAnglePodium.com for show info, other podcasts, bonus content, and to become a donating member so you can get all of that rad behind-the-scenes content and help keep shows like this on the air. And lastly, if you're enjoying this podcast and all the information that we're bringing to you every single week... Uh, do us a solid and pop into iTunes to leave us a rating and review. It takes you about two seconds. You can do it on your computer. You can do it on your phone. And it really helps us out. 
Thanks so much, and we will see you next week.